0: You're listening to Seaside Book Club Discussions, bringing you the authors and their work. Come sit with host Dawnasia Furlow to discover and discuss. Hello, hello. Welcome to Seaside Book Club Discussions. Today I have with me author of Sips of My Grandmother's Coffee, Miss Annesia Hope. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure. Definitely. Excited that you are here with us today. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, my name is Darnicia Hope. I'm a native of Atlanta. Um, I am the owner of Destiny by Divine Design Publishing, and I consider it the place to be for up-and-coming authors.
0: You are now uh, signing new authors, you know, to your publishing house.
1: I'm trying to. I actually signed one um, uh, Arthur by the name of Gary Burnett and he did a book of poetry called um, Walks of a Spiritual Path and it was a journey of faith. Also, it was a book of poetry.
0: That sounds wonderful. So of course, you know, for listeners out there to check out Dionysia's own brand of, you know, her publishing house and what she's doing. So... We're here to talk a little bit about Sips of My Grandmother's Coffee. Tell us a little bit about that book.
1: Well, the story is the documentation of how I transformed a GED into an MBA. And the story, I wanted to put it out there, is my way of showing appreciation to a lot of people who helped me on the path to obtaining my MBA. That is definitely interesting,
0: So. How is the title Sips of My Grandmother's Coffee significant to that journey?
1: Well, the Sips of My Grandmother's Coffee is significant in that my grandmother, my my, I'm sorry, my maternal grandmother, Minnie Hope, has always been instrumental in my, was instrumental in my upbringing, and she helped to shape me into the person that I am, and I wrote in the book about one moment of black history because in my grandmother's home, black history was not contained to February. It extended all the way throughout the entire year. And one of the people who helped me on my journey was my uncle. And I wrote about how my grandmother, she always talked about him doing black history moments because of the part that he played in Birmingham or whatnot. And of the people who helped me, he's the only person who I actually had to hear his story from the perspective of what it was like to be a little child growing up in Birmingham and, you know, the cradle of the civil rights movement or whatnot. So, yes. So
0: you got a firsthand, you know, account. Like a lot of us, we are introduced to, you know, pretty much what happened in Birmingham by way of books and, you know, other media, but you actually was brought up with somebody who was in the middle of that, who was active and instrumental.
1: How did that shape your life and, you know, your own concept of self? Um, It shaped my concept of self in a lot of different ways. Um, As I said, the story was basically a documentation of my journey from GED to MBA and um Yes, I'm, I was born into a family that celebrates family reunions. And a couple of years back, we actually went to my grandmother's birthplace, which is Clayton, Alabama. Right. And that moment was so significant to my story because I was in pursuit of a, a associate's degree at that time. And if I would have opened up my mouth and asked one of my family members, hey, do you have a flash drive? Can I borrow your laptop? I would have earned an associate's degree and I would have been happy with it. But because that's not where God had destined for me, I didn't ask. I didn't get the associate's degree and I actually earned the MBA. So that's a um, very part. That's a, a significant part of my story, like traveling to the place where my grandmother was raised up.
0: So pretty much every disappointment has been ultimately a blessing for you in the long run. Yes. And this book is a, just kind of a reflection of that in your journey. Yes.
1: it's um My last name is Hope. That's my trademark. And it was a story of undying hope. Okay. So...
0: What were some of the obstacles that you faced on this journey
1: to your MBA? Um, well, I was in school here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was um, in pursuit of a bachelor's degree. And I had a mental breakdown. I, I I didn't know it at the time, but I had schizophrenia and I I had a mental breakdown, but I did not take a break from school, I went immediately back to school from the mental he- hospital. And after that, Coca-Cola bought all of the buildings at the entire campus and the school closed. So I had to go to school in an online environment. I felt miserably. Um, and in the end, the at the school I was at, the people tried to hold my degree. For financial reasons, because of a mistake they made in financial aid, and I stood on top of a literal desk and I told them, "No, y'all are not gonna do this to me like this." And I was able to, I, I finished strong. So in yeah, and I finished strong. So
0: that is amazing, though, from those challenges and even in personal development and finding out that, you know what, the online learning environment is not necessarily for me, but still persevering in the end to go ahead and, you know, achieve higher education. Now, you brought up something that's so significant. A lot of individuals um, do not check about their mental health. A lot of the time, especially within the Black community, we are told, you know, like, if you say something like, I'm depressed, I'm stressed out, A lot of the time our parents, for lack of, you know, knowing better or that's how they were raised, will say things like, oh, you're not depressed or kind of like put it, you know, in the back of the mind, like, you know what, it's not such a big deal. It's not a huge idea. But uh, right now, I think that we're doing so much within checking on our mental health, you know, and if a lot of us in the past have had the opportunities that are out there now where black kids are being encouraged to go see uh, a psychiatrist to go see somebody To check about their mental health To make sure that they're okay You know I think that things would have been a lot different For a lot of us and our parents
1: Yes well I've learned about a lot about schizophrenia And mental health um, This actually the mental health breakdown Occurred in 2014 So since then I actually learned A lot about it But um, from my first understanding Of schizophrenia it, It's rare to have it after the early thirties or whether I well, after your early teens or twenties. So I was actually like 30 in my early thirties when it happened. And I consider yeah. myself a pretty unique individual. I documented some of my earlier education experiences. So for it to be me, I never questioned God to the point of why me, I sort of felt like, why not me? And, um, I prayed to God that if it wasn't for me, that he would take it from me. But since then, I've been, in the beginning, it was very, extremely difficult for me to talk about. But since then, I've been very vocal about it. I actually consider myself to be the the poster child for schizophrenia as a result of what I've been through. And I kind of say that because when I went... um. When I was in the the, um, psychiatric ward, I met a lot of people, nice people. And when when I was released, I see the same people and they're homeless, living on the bridges, sleeping on the street. And so I feel like these people who've been marginalized by society need a voice for them. And so by me being able to articulate my story, that's what made me want to get the message out there more also.
0: You know, that is definitely significant
1: here because
0: just as you mentioned, you're seeing individuals who are now homeless, but you had several moments with them, moments of humanity in which you were able to hear their stories and what their struggles are, you know, and rather than having the perspective that the rest of us have, which we're pretty much going about our daily lives, we know nothing of these people you know, we have an idea that, you know, these people may be just drug addicts or, you know, they're not serious about life. They haven't, you know, but you uh, have an in-depth view of what was going on with them, what brought them to this point. You know, and that's a very unique perspective to have. Yeah. You know. Right. So, what do you hope that readers take from the book Sips of My Grandmother's Coffee?
1: Um... When I got to the point of my story where I was describing why I enrolled in college, yeah. my my pastor had given a sermon and he said, don't let anything stand in your way. And I put that in the book. Right. So the story, if I could help one person, it would be a young person in college. I have a passion for millennials. I love millennials. But it would be for yes. a young college student who maybe has maybe a failing grade that their parents might be disappointed with. And it would be like, don't let the small things become big things and stand in your way. Because, I mean, I, I, I got through schizophrenia, a school closing, flunking out of school multiple times. And I still graduated with an MBA top of my class. So I feel like if I can do it. Anybody can do it. Yes, so the message would be: don't give up. Like you can do it.
0: That is amazing, especially in this time of um, of crippling student debt. Yeah, in this time of living in a social media driven society, in which you are expected to be more than just a kid. Like everyone is looking at you what you're doing you know you have these friends from middle school high school family members all on your social media page and you're expected to perform in a sense so you are expected to look successful while trying to be successful Mm -hmm. and you know i think it's a lot of pressure that people face right now and that you know the message that you have is very timely especially when a lot of people try to hide what they're going through um mentally, which may be a clinical thing, and we're taught a lot of the time to sweep it under the rug. Yes, that's, that's you know.
1: a, a issue in the Black community, but um, as I spoke on my, my earlier childhood education, I was actually trained in the arts, a magnet student, and I was a member of Upward Bound, and I traveled the country, yes. the United States, on an educational tour throughout my high school years, and um, I actually dropped out of high school earned the GED, but... Um, Yes, the the pressure is definitely on this generation, and I mean, I, it's so much happening here in Atlanta that I I just feel like someone needs to address the mental issues in the in the black community on a, a bigger scale. So. Right, right. Yeah,
0: we're getting messages. From every which way on what we should look like, what we should act like, you know, where we should be at a certain point in our lives. And like I said, we're all expected to form, to compare our lives to other people, you know, to be perfect, to look perfect at all times. And it can definitely be a huge pressure, you know. Uh, So let me ask you a question. I know that it is more so about yourself as well as uh, people around you. But if this book was being made into a movie, who would you like to see play some of the key roles? And of course, you know, I'm asking about yourself. Who do you think can bring Dionysia to the silver screen?
1: Um, I'm a avid wa- watcher of The Walking Dead, so I like Danaya okay. Herrera. I think she... Yes, she's someone that could take on the role of what I went through. It was it was terrible. I I thought I was going to die. Thank God I made it through. But I think she based on her acting skills and um all eyes on me, the movie about Tupac and on the Walking Dead, I think yes. she's someone that can handle the role of me. And my mother, she is very instrumental in my life also. But she she was here And she had to endure everything that I went through with the mental break or whatever. And she always says that she looks like Whippy Goldberg. So I think that would be an interesting pairing of mother and daughter. So um, I think those two people could play me and my mother in the movie. Yeah, I mean,
0: the actress from The Walking Dead, she's intense. Yes, she is. She's intense. She's definitely someone I think that... um, can display a certain depth of emotion, you know, and without having to say much, you know. So I was definitely enjoying, you know, her rise to continued fame in Black Panther, you know, those movies that came out. And I was so happy for
1: her. So, I mean, I think that this is an important story. Yeah, well, to me. I really think it is. I kind of feel like uh, schizophrenia kind of activated some superpowers. Like, I can hear Oh wow! People are whispering. I feel like I can hear people talking about me from miles away. So, and yes. it was it was so intense for me. And if you look at her battling uh, skills with the sword on the show, I think she it yes. kind of like activated the um, inner warrior in me. So, I think she would be the perfect woman to for, portray that. Yeah, I
0: can definitely see that. I really can. So can you
1: read us a passage from the book? Um yes I can. Okay, so this passage, um, I actually had my nephew to read it at my book release. So I I think this is one of the, the points of the book that if you read it before or after it would make you intrigued. The pressure. Right. Okay. The pressure had lightened up a little bit. But the voices were still an unseen force, coercing me in the continued writing of the book. They told me that they needed the book finished by Goon's Day. I was writing intently, with focus, direction, and purpose. There was only one problem. I had no idea when Goon's Day was. They assured me that I did know when Goon's Day was. Regardless of whether I had already, what I had already saw, heard, and experienced, I knew to stick to the code of the street, the G code. I was raised up on the conspiracy theory that some things were better left unsaid. It was safer for all involved that way. There was no one I could ask when goons they occur. Who could I trust? Asking would reveal too much. Did I miss Goon's Day that year? I was kind of scared to find out the exact date of Goon's Day. I googled Goon's Day with no luck. The information was limited and I could not get a solid answer. When Goon's Day arrived, I was not prepared. I do not remember the exact date, but it was on a Thursday. I know it was a Thursday because the city sanitation workers Make their rounds on my street on Thursday. The voices that, the voices announced that Goons Day was here. Goons Day coincided with the day that the trash was collected. The goons wanted my work in the trash. The interaction of the voices in my head increased, announcing that it was indeed groom's day. All that effort for nothing, they were telling me that my work of art was a piece of trash, or were they implying that one person's trash is another person's treasure? That's all I have.
0: (laughs) Wow, no, that is intense. That is definitely intense. You know, a lot of the time, a lot of us say that, you know, we have an inner voice and an inner voice that kind of uh, pushes us forward. Inner voices in our head that, you know, tell us just that intuition that we have. And a lot of people experience that still small voice very differently, you know, in their lives, you know. So it's just pretty much how you experience it. And let me ask you a question. You mentioned Goon's Day a lot. I had not heard of Goon's Day before. What is
1: that? Well, um, I didn't know when exactly Goon's Day was, but when I was um hospitalized, it was the the ending of March, the very beginning of April, and they were telling me yeah. that I was going to be released on a Tuesday, which would have been April Fool's Day. So I was thinking that right. it was um April Fool's Day, but since then, I my I have a cousin. And he claimed Goon's Day as his birthday. And he doesn't know anything about what I went through at the time. But his birthday is actually April the 2nd. So I'm going to say April the 2nd is Goon's Day. I'm not sure.
0: Okay. Well, that's definitely some research that I'm definitely going to do and figure out, you know, what the significance of that day is, you know. Um, Before we uh, wrap up, I do have to ask, you know, I wanna circle back to coffee and how significant coffee is in your life. I have a you know, I've a drinker of coffee myself. You know, you named your book after your grandmother's coffee. Can we talk a little bit about that and the significance of it?
1: Um, I I just love coffee. Everybody who knows me knows that I love coffee yeah. and um another little side story this is actually the second book that I published. And the first one, yes. the book, This Tips of My Grandmother's Coffee talks about what I went through doing writing the first book. And when I was writing it, I was drinking... So much coffee, I was drinking like so yes. much coffee, and when it got to the point that I was hospitalized, I hadn't slept in like three days, so as I said, I was like, oh, "Wow, a, a wired up caffeine machine like I was actually like a walking cup of coffee or something and my friends, they played a very, very significant role in what I went through. Um, before, during and after, they're all very supportive and they're actually waitresses at, you know, the number one restaurant in Atlanta, uh, that's yeah. open every day or whatever. And so if I go into their establishment, the first thing they tell me, you want coffee? Like people know that I drink coffee, I drink um, regular caffeinated coffee in the early part of the day. And in the afternoon, I drink, ca- um, decaf. And, um, I love Coca Cola also. As I mentioned earlier, they actually bought the campus to the school where I was attending. I drink, um, uh, I don't drink as much Coca Cola, but I drink it in the afternoon, you know, to finish off my day with a nice cold cup of Coca Cola.
0: So you are caffeine-fueled, yes, and this yes, has been one of the fueled. key components in you, yeah, just uh, getting that your, those books um, just written and completed. Yes. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Um, you have already read the passage of the book, which I feel is definitely, you know, really powerful, really deep. You know, you have not shied away from your experience, although there is so much stigma attached to it and what you are going through and how, uh, you know, the voices that you have described had been, you know, antagonists for a part, yeah. but also have kind of pushed you forward, you know, in a sense. So let me ask you, um, where can readers purchase your books?
1: My books are available on Amazon. They're available on thebookpatch.com, Barnes & Noble Press. They're available on Kindle and Nook. And they're also available at my website, um, which is Destiny by Divine Design Publishing. Right. Okay.
0: That is definitely good to know. So are you on any other social media platforms besides Facebook?
1: I'm on Twitter, um, Destiny by Divine Design at Ain't Your Mama. Um, I'm on Periscope. <laughs> I actually have two pages. One is Darnesia Hope at The Nonfiction Goddess, and the other one is Darnesia at Divine, Dar- Divine Darnesia.
0: Okay. You know I'm going to ask the question. Mm-hmm. Why the name Ain't Your Mama? Like
1: what, what is that? What's that about? Um, I have a daughter, and um, yeah. her name is Angel. When I go to yes. her school, the kids tell me, hey, Angel Mama. And if you say it real fast, it sounds like either Angel Mama from the pancake box yes. or Angel Mama. Yeah. So I just t- chose Angel Mama or whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, no, I get that. It is funny, though. Okay. So. do you have any upcoming book signings or other promotional events that you're going to be taking part of this year or next?
1: I'm going to try to get together with a group of like-minded entrepreneurs and have a small business Saturday event, but um, it's still in the planning process right now.
0: That definitely sounds good to reach out to individuals where, you know, just making sure that there are avenues for growth and for networking because um Especially being an entrepreneur, I can imagine that is definitely something that, you know, there's a lot of sleepless nights. There are a lot of uh, times when you are, you know, your CEO, you're the cleanup crew, you're everything else in between. You are your own publicist and just continuously having to stay on brand, especially in today's environment where you have to make sure you're always, um, you know, Keeping up with social media, keeping up with your advertising, keeping up with, um, you know, staying relevant, you know, and I feel like, uh, what project you have coming up is definitely something that people can, can find that, that piece in, or at least to get the tools that they need, you know, because not everything is accessible, you know, to certain groups of individuals, you know, so that's definitely important work that you are doing. Uh, besides the uh promotional events and um program that you have, you know, working in its infancy right now. Are you working on anything literary right now? Can we see any books from you uh this year or next?
1: Well I hope to put out some pieces of fiction next year. Yes. I'm also interested in working with other artists, authors and putting out their work, but I'm currently in pursuit of a doctorate degree so um, oh wow! I'm looking at academic scholarly writing right now, so and it's actually been a pleasure yeah. my um my dissertation so far is gonna be on how youth utilize um social media and apps for mental health purposes so if I could get that out i I probably'll publish that too so
0: oh of course, that is amazing. The more resources. And the more platforms uh, individuals have to, you know, let people know what is available out there, it's good work for the community. It's the the more, the better, you know, especially, you know, we are going through what we're going through. We are more isolated, I think, than we ever have been before. You know, I think, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, there was so much more before the advent of, um. Cell phones being so rampant and everyone pretty much being social electronically, there was much more of a community setting than we do have right now. So I think sometimes it is very good to reach back and say, you know what, if this is the way that you interact with the world, if this is what you're comfortable with, you may not be able to see someone, but use an app for personal development. Yeah. You know, download a good book and see where you can, um, where you can you know, identify with somebody, you know, and just talk to someone above all, because there have been a lot of um, instances of individuals committing suicide and very young kids that you don't even think would understand the concept of ending one's life, you know, doing so based on bullying and other things that are happening around them, you know, so I do think that the work you're doing is definitely very good. I look forward to speaking with you in the future, finding out, you know, where your projects are going and you know what's happening with you. And I hope to be talking to you with the next book on your doctorate. You know, it is very important to see, you know, you continue to strive and do so much. I'd like to thank you so much for coming uh, in to speak with me and to speak to the listeners and I encourage everyone to Go ahead and check out sips of my grandmother's coffee. These stories are, of course, very important and beneficial. I'd like to thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Seaside Book Club. This is Donnie Jacurlow signing off. And remember, listeners, keep reading.